0: 262 CP Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park.
1: Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time.
0: Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
2: So the principle is, though, pray about it, give it to the Lord in prayer, and be honest with Him. It hurts, Lord. Uh, help me to respond properly. And how do you respond properly? I think this is great. Verse 6 says, So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height for the people out of mind's work. In other words, get on with the work. Don't defend yourself. Don't take time to try to answer every charge against you. Get on with the work, because if you end up defending yourself, then Satan has accomplished what he wants to accomplish, and that's to get you away from the work. That's what it's all about. So don't spend your time trying to fix everything that somebody might say against you. Get on with the work. And that's exactly what Nehemiah and the people did. And that's why verse 6 has that great statement, they had a mind or a heart to work.
1: The line between disappointment and discouragement is a fine one. And it often seems that the entire universe is trying with all its might to push us over that line. That is especially true when we undertake a significant project for God. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is the radio version of Pastor Steve's pulpit ministry. Today we begin another lesson from the book of Nehemiah, a book full of godly wisdom for everyone from a child in school to the CEO of a major corporation to the President of the United States but it is of the greatest value to the Christ follower who wants to make a difference in this world for his master. As we continue through Nehemiah's memoirs, we'll find ourselves at chapter 4, starting with verse 7. When we work hard to advance God's kingdom, you can be assured that we will encounter resistance, often fierce resistance. It's pretty hard to stay upbeat when the people around you seem dead set on making you fail. It's during those times that discouragement creeps in and wraps its tentacles around us, bringing us to a stop. If you want to know a great way to handle opposition and ward off discouragement, stay with us because Nehemiah set a marvelous example for us. Here's Pastor Steve.
2: I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. We're continuing our study in Nehemiah chapter 4. You probably want to Place a bookmark there so you'll know each week because that's where we're going. Nehemiah chapter four, and I'd like to read verses seven through fourteen. Now it came about when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed to our God. And because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus in Judah, it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see until we come upon them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. And it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us, ten times they will come up against us from every place where you may turn." Then I stationed men in the lower parts of the space behind the wall and exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. According to a legend... The devil once advertised his tools for sale at a public auction. Probably didn't know that, but according to a legend, he did that. But when the prospective buyers assembled, uh, they noticed that uh, there was uh, just one odd shaped tool that was labeled not for sale. When uh, he was asked to explain why this tool wasn't for sale, here's how the devil answered. He said, I can spare all of my other tools, but I cannot spare this one. It is the most useful implement that I have. It is called discouragement. And with it, I can work my way into hearts otherwise inaccessible. When I get this tool into a man's heart, the way is open to plant anything there that I may desire. Now, that may be a fictitious story, and it is, but it is an absolute truth and fact that one of the great tools and weapons that the devil uses is discouragement. There's not one person here who is who has never been discouraged. We have all at times been discouraged. Now, before we proceed about discouragement, because that's what this chapter that's what these verses are about, discouragement one of Satan's great tools. Uh, I want to just clarify what discouragement is, because I think we, we kind of have a vague notion of discouragement. We experience it, but how do we define it? What, what do we mean by the word discourage? The English word discourage means basically to deprive of confidence and hope, to dishearten, to hamper, to hinder. And uh, in other words, to discourage means to 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 really take away hope to prevent somebody from doing what they should do by taking away their courage. That's why you put the, the words together, discourage. It takes away their hope. It takes away their confidence. It, it hinders them from doing what they should what they should do. And uh, great Bible characters, great, great people of the Bible experience discouragement. Uh, remember the story of Elijah? He was so discouraged to the point that uh, he wanted to die. Elijah actually wanted to die. He said, God, take my life. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 9, it says that the children of Israel didn't enter the land of Canaan under Moses because the ten spies who came back and said there are giants in the land. The Bible says that the people were discouraged. Should have done it. They didn't need to wander around for 40 years. Actually, it would have taken 11 days for them to get there. They wandered around for 40, about 40 years because they were discouraged. Job was certainly discouraged. And not only from what God was doing in his life, but you read the story of Job, as some of us are doing as we're going through the Bible, and you realize here was a guy discouraged by his so-called three friends who didn't have a clue as to what was going on in his life, but they thought they were experts. He was discouraged. David certainly uh, experienced discouragement as he fled from Saul and, and other enemies. David knew what it was to be discouraged. Uh, missionaries today often come home from the field because they are discouraged. And we hear many times about missionaries who really need encouragement, which is the opposite of discouragement. I think there's a great verse in uh, in the New Testament that, that sort of uh, helps us to get a handle on discouragement. It's speaking about, about uh, fathers and their children. And it says in Colossians 3.21, I think this is what discouragement really is. Fathers, don't exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. I think that's what discouragement is. It's losing heart so that you feel like giving up. Discouragement is just losing heart so that you want to quit. You want to throw in the towel. You want to just say, look, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I I I don't have the internal fortitude to do this. I'm I'm just giving up. It's taking the wind out of somebody's sails. Chuck Swindoll, speaking of discouragement, said this. What a difficult disease to cure. I don't know of anything that will take the wind out of your sails quite so quickly as discouragement. Now, certainly you have felt this way. I have felt this way. Every one of us knows what it feels like to be discouraged. And maybe you are very discouraged right now. Maybe this is a high point in your life and you're not discouraged, but you will be sometime. So uh, some of us feel like that right now. You're experiencing it. The wind is, is out of your sails. What once excited you, what once excited you doesn't anymore. It, it just doesn't anymore. In fact, you have lost heart and you feel a sense of hopelessness and you're ready to quit. It could be over a marriage. It could be a relationship with somebody, a friendship, maybe something that you'd like to develop into a marriage relationship and and you're very discouraged over it. Maybe it's a job. You once were excited about it. You once were enthused, but now you dread getting up in the morning to go to that job. It could be a ministry. You once were really gung-ho for ministry, but you feel stuck in it. You you feel like uh, you're obligated, but the enthusiasm is gone. That's discouragement. You just lost heart. The excitement is no longer there. Now, if that's the case, and if it isn't this morning, it will be at some time in your life. If that's the case, I have good news for you, because Nehemiah chapter 4, the the verses that we just read, it's about discouragement and, and the cure for discouragement, how to deal with it. The Bible is relevant. The Bible is practical. I'm always amazed when people say, well, somebody who teaches needs to be more relevant. Um, If they teach the Bible, it is relevant. And in this passage of Scripture, it is so very practical and and relevant. Because we're going to discover that the Jewish people who once were very excited in Jerusalem about rebuilding the wall are now discouraged. They want to quit. They don't want to do it anymore. They're ready to uh, abandon the project. Why? Well, let me set the context for you. Chapter four is about the opposition to this project. That's what we're dealing with, opposition. The first opposition that the people experienced was uh, words of ridicule, stinging words. Remember what we said? Sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but names will never harm me. We said, I don't know who came up with that, because that's not true. Names really hurt. I'd rather get hit with sticks and stones. At least uh, those heal a lot quicker than names because they really do harm us. And in chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, now, when it, now it came about that when Sam Ballin, that was the leader from Samaria to the north, he heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious, very angry, and he mocked the Jews. He ridiculed them. He he, he attacked, and this is often how, how our enemies attack. This is how what Satan uses. We wrestle not against really flesh and blood. They're just instruments of his. We wrestle those of us who know Christ, know that we experience satanic uh, opposition to those who sting us with words. They hurt us with words. And it goes on to say in verse two, and he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, uh, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the Burma? I mean, who are these Jews? They are weak, feeble Jews. And it says in verse 3, now, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said even when they're, what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their, their stone wall down. It's like saying, it's so nothing, this wall that they're building, if a cat jumped on it, it would fall apart. Ridicule, stinging words. That was the first uh, opposition that they experienced. And we went into that last time. How do you respond to it? Well, you respond to it the way Nehemiah responded to it. In verse 4, he says, Hear, our, o, o, o our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads. Give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have demoralized the builders. We suggested at the time that this is an imprecatory prayer, which means uh, that he called down God to judge them for this. Uh, we suggested that the principle is that we ought to pray. I don't think it's fair to say that a New Testament Christian ought to pray like this because uh, Nehemiah and his people were tied into the Abrahamic covenant, which said, I'll bless those who bless thee. I'll curse those who curse thee. And it was very appropriate for him to pray that way. We're not part of that covenant in the sense that you and I are not national Israel. Uh, we are the church. And so the principle is, though, pray about it. Give it to the Lord in prayer and be honest with him. It hurts, Lord. Uh, help me to respond properly. And how do you respond properly? I think this is great. Verse six says, so we built the wall and the wall was joined together to half its height for the people out of mind's work. In other words, get on with the work. Don't defend yourself. Don't take time to try to answer every charge against you. Get on with the work, because if you end up defending yourself then Satan has accomplished what he wants to accomplish, and that's to get you away from the work. That's what it's all about. So don't spend your time trying to fix everything that somebody might say against you. Get on with the work. And that's exactly what Nehemiah and the people did. And that's why verse 6 has that great statement, they had a mind or a heart to work. Now, it's estimated that they had only been on the job for about one month. I mean, that's incredible. It's about a two and a half mile radius that they were working and rebuilding the wall around the city. And they'd only been on the job for about half or about a month, and, and half the wall was completed. That's what verse 6 said. Half the wall was completed. The people were tackling the project with determination and zeal. They wanted to get the job done. Then the climate and the atmosphere of the chapter changes. Something changes here as their enemy hurls another arrow, and this one hits home. This one hits its target. The first one did not. Ridicule really didn't affect them. But discouragement really does. Notice verse 10. Thus in Judah, it was said the strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there's much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Notice the contrast between the people had a mind to work, and now they're saying the strength of those who carry the burden is failing. We're unable to build the wall. That's a change of tune. That's what this is about. Instead of having a mind to work, they're exhausted. Literally, it means they're stumbling. They're stumbling around. They don't think they can finish the project. Now, this is discouragement. This is discouragement. They once were excited. They once were enthused. They once tackled the job. Now they're saying, you know, there's so much garbage that we look at, all the debris... We're not strong. Our, our strength is failing. So between verses 6 and 10, something took place that changed their thinking from enthusiasm to discouragement. And you know what? We want to see this morning what it was. Because we want to see what Satan uses to discourage us and more than that, how we can respond to discouragement. How we can respond to it so that you don't have to be discouraged. Do you know that? You don't have to be discouraged. Chuck Swindoll said it's like a disease that's hard to cure, but it's not impossible to cure, and it's really not a disease. So this morning, we want to look at it. We're going to look at at several aspects of discouragement, but they come under two headings. Number one, the source of discouragement. Where does it come from? Why do I get it? And number two, the solution to discouragement. It's really a very easy outline to follow, the source and the, the solution, but there are a lot of truths floating around in there that you have to digest. I encourage you to take notes. And uh, write these things down, and then most importantly, apply it to your own life. So we begin by looking at the source of discouragement. We're going to look at verses 7 and 8. Now, it came about when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem went on, meaning in spite of their ridicule, they went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance in it. When Sambalat and Tobiah saw that their ridicule, the Jews had failed to stop the project, they came up with another tactic, and the tactic was this. They would join forces with other enemies of Israel and would intensify their opposition. And the tactic was to join forces with these enemies and they would surround the city of Jerusalem and they would physically attack the people and go to kill them. That's pretty drastic, but that's what they did. Now, before we look at this, I want to say there is a principle here, an important principle. Just because you might respond to ridicule properly and you say, look, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm even going to pray for my enemies. Because that's what the Bible says to do. Uh, And I'm not going to defend myself. Don't think that because you respond properly that all the problems are going to go away. No, because behind opposition to a believer in Christ is Satan. Is Satan. And so don't think he's going to say, oh, I didn't realize you had such an arsenal to defend yourself. And uh, I'm going to give up now. No, he is very persistent and he's going to intensify the efforts just expect it, And that's what happened here the The battle plan was was this. The battle plan by Samballot w- was this. Samballot would attack from Samaria, which was in the north. He'd come down, attack Jerusalem. To bio the and the Ammonites are coming from the from the east. They would attack from the east. Uh, just think of uh, if you know a map of Israel today, uh, the Jordan area. Ammon that's why they get the term Ammonites. Uh, Ammonites would come from the from the east. Then you would have the Arabs who would come up from the south and the men from Ashdod would come from the west. That's a Philistine city. Uh, Ashdod would be you hear today in the news about the Gaza Strip. That would be right near there if not in it. It was a Philistine city. And so they would converge from every direction upon the, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And that was their new tactic. It was the threat of violence. And you know what? It worked. The people were intimidated and they were afraid. Notice the beginning of verse 14. They were they were struck with fear because Nehemiah says, when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the people. Nehemiah saw that that fear was written all over their faces. I mean, you didn't have to be that bright to figure it out. They were intimidated. They were afraid. Now, at first glance, it might seem that the sole source of their discouragement was the threat of violence, was the outside pressure and the threat of dying. But you know what? I don't think that was the real source of discouragement. Because External things and circumstances are never the root cause or source of our discouragement. Never. If you think it is, you're going to miss the point. Because all of us have difficulties. All of us have pressures. All of us have things that disappoint us. All of us have things in life that we wish were going another way. And if you think uh, that it's just the external forces, then then you are a slave to circumstances of life. That's not the way a Christian ought to live. That's really not the sole source of their discouragement, not even the root cause of their discouragement. I want you to notice what really caused them to want to quit, because the reasons that they wanted to quit and and were discouraged is the reasons why we give up today, at least in terms of principle. First of all, the people were tired. They were tired. They were exhausted. They had worked uh, night and day for about a month. And, and you know what? They were only halfway finished. That's very significant. Do you realize halfway into a project is probably the worst time? Probably the worst time. It is very common to be discouraged halfway through a project. Hey, how about this? You're building a new home and you're excited at first. Think about halfway through. You wonder, why did I ever get into this? you want to clean out your garage. It's, it's a thrill to think I can get all this mess out and it'll be fine. But halfway through, somebody says, whoever came up with this bright idea? Halfway through. Hey, how about I could, I could tell you halfway through messages each week. Sometimes I think, what am I talking about? How did I get into this? I'm so involved in details, I don't even know the point of what I'm trying to say halfway through and I can tell you by experience halfway through a marathon you're you're wondering uh, you are tired and it's uh, 13.1 miles and usually some bright person puts the sign up that says halfway point you know no half I've got you mean I've got to do this all over again halfway through anything is an easy time to be discouraged and these people were discouraged they uh and on top of that they face military threat now the threat of of their lives being taken. So in verse 9, we read, but we prayed to our God, and that's encouraging because it wasn't just I prayed to my God, it's now the people were praying with me. We prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. And Nehemiah did something about it.
1: Years ago, the Today in the Word devotional guide quoted William Ward as saying the following, discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. I can't argue with that description, but I would add that discouragement is also something that sneaks up on even the most mature Christian, and often we need some sort of external boost to shake us out of our despair. Next time on Verse by Verse, we'll see what measures Nehemiah took to reverse the discouragement that was overwhelming his people. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He has been the teaching pastor for more than 28 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you visit the Clearwater area on a Sunday, I know he would love to meet you. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, which is just about midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. And if you live in Clearwater and want your children to receive an outstanding education with a biblical worldview, I hope you will investigate Lakeside Christian School. You can find a wealth of information about the school at their website. Lakeside Christian School all one word .org or give them a call at 727-461-3311 that's 727-461-3311 Verse by verse is produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by our listeners. We're on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If you missed part of today's class or just want to hear it again, There is a link right there on the front page. Or if you'd like to go back and catch up on any previous lessons, click the link on our archives page where you will find hundreds of MP3 files that you can listen to online or download for later. If God has been speaking to you about helping keep these classes on the air, we have information that will help you do so while providing valuable biblical guidance for giving in general. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. It is often helpful to listen to an entire sermon in one setting. That's why we offer CDs and cassettes with entire messages and with no announcements. To order one for yourself, call us at 727-239-0306. It is amazing how things can seem to pile up against us, especially when we are tired. My mother used to say, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. I could add to that, the behinder we are, the tireder we get. And that leads down the path to discouragement. Let's plan to get back together for the next verse by verse.